Hello everyone and welcome to the show. I am your host, Mike. Now, uh, I've been kind of sitting around wondering, like a lot of us in the movie-going public have, why are so many films, whether brand new films or remakes, reboots of past films, why are they all PG-13? And the real the real answer to that question is sadly fairly simple. I've mentioned this before on how movie executives are not storytellers. They're accountants. And why so many films are PG-13 when even their uh, major source materials, if they're nostalgic films that they're rebooting, used to be R, and it's for a very simple, money-grubbing kind of way. And that's because PG-13 allows a much larger audience. So this formula is more butts in seats. More butts in seats means more money generated at the box office. That is the, the long and the short of it. Now, it, you go into a little bit more in that uh, movie executives are risk-averse. They really are. They don't like the idea of going out on a limb for a film. If uh, you're, they're presented with a script and a movie idea that's going to be a big-budget film, but the film happens to be an R, you know, sex, drugs, violence, that sort of thing, that's a harder sell because, because it's an R-rated film, it's not going to have nearly as many people, nearly as broad of an audience in order to go see the film. Whereas if it's a PG-13 film, you're going to have as many as three times the uh, audience count than you would with an R film. So, inevitably... They decide to go with the PG-13 angle to get more butts and seats, to offset the costs in the hopes of hitting it big. That it's a far more uh, risk, not nearly as risky as a R film could be. Well, what does that mean to the films themselves? Well, it means inevitably that what made the films, if it's a nostalgic remake, is watered down. Everything that was interesting and cool and exciting about that original film has been neutered or completely removed. And it becomes this shambling shell of a film that it, it looks as though it was a paint-by-numbers film now. It no longer has any of those compelling and interesting and exciting moments in it anymore. If you need examples, look to the RoboCop and Total Recall reboots. Those were awful. Awful! They can say that, you know, oh no, it has it because of the tech and everything, it all, it looks sleeker it looks has a much more modern and less clunky feel to it that isn't what made the original films that they're aping on so good it wasn't because it 
you know, oh, you know, uh, the original Robocop, he was real clunky and slow, and it wasn't realistic. No shit, it wasn't realistic. It was sci-fi, basically. And it was more, it was a compelling story. A compelling story with a compelling protagonist. And it just worked so much. And they tried... They tried with a PG-13. It's RoboCop, for God's sakes. It is the fact that Officer Murphy is gunned down, and they use his barely living carcass as a thing to strap metal to and servos and motors to make him this unstoppable dealing dealer of justice. Ah, uh, I, the, everything that was compelling in the original RoboCop was removed from the remake, and it really shows. It is such a boring, threadbare, cynical cash grab that it's insulting. It just is. You feel insulted by the film because it's not treating you like an adult. It's not treating you like someone who can understand the tough sides of life. No, no, no. We got to protect you. You are precious and fragile, audience. I don't like that. Then you get Total Recall, which it was a glorious sci-fi romp with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Did it follow its source materials from the book? No, of course not. If you actually read the book, one, it's not called Total Recall. That's just what they got when they're doing the script and what to call it. Because the original, the book's title is We Sell You Dreams Wholesale. Come on, that's kind of a mouthful to, to label a film. So they called it from a phrase that's used in the process of getting uh, if you had your memory wiped and it's you're getting it all back you have you are having a potential total recall total recall boom they got the film it's fun it's campy it's a bit over the top in some places there's humor both light and dark it has lots of action lots of interesting you know characters some of them are a little more you know cardboard cut out but you know what it works it works for the film. It makes it fun. It makes it a fun time out. And then you get the remake. Oh, man. That remake. The way I was able to explain the Total Recall remake, the reboot of it to a number of people who hadn't seen it, is I want you to imagine a group of writers stuck in a room together, coming up with ideas on how to do this and all they're doing really is running around smelling each other's farts and complimenting each other on its bouquet this is what it feels to me it feels as though there's a bunch of very pretentious people trying to uh, give high these high-minded ideas on a film that they find to be really lowbrow and trying to class up the joint. 
and it fails because it's this myopic mess. I, I absolutely detest that. It it has it it does the one thing. It's a cardinal sin in my book when it comes to film. One, you can be good, you can be bad, you can do lots of different things, and I will, I'll lambast you if you're real bad, but. I'll find entertainment value, but there's one thing, a cardinal sin, that is unforgivable in my eyes, and that is if the film is boring. You can go and engender any kind of emotion in me, joy, anger, but if you go and you just bore me to tears, completely bore me, you have committed the worst possible atrocity. Films are entertainment. That's what they are, and that's what they'll ever be. You have fundamentally failed if I am so bored that I fall asleep. And when I wake up and a scene or two has passed, possibly very important story scenes, and not only do I not care, I'm far more willing to just get up and go somewhere else. If I can't find a reason to keep me in my seat to watch, I'm not, the, the movie's failed. It has just failed. Failed at every fundamental level that I can possibly imagine. You, you As a film, you can be good, you can be bad. And you can be good or bad based on competency or lack thereof. But if you bore me, you failed. You are a failure, and there's no coming back from that. And the Total Recall reboot was a boring, abysmal failure. RoboCop had moments, the reboot had its moments, where it was boring me because they were having to try and take an R-rated film full of violence and tone it down to a PG-13. And there were moments in which it was, they were, I think they were trying to do a character study. I think that's what they were trying to pull off. But everyone is so wooden and cardboard and cookie cutter that I didn't give a shit. And I was starting to get bored. When you're engendering the feeling of boredom, you're not entertaining, you're now a chore. And Total Recall was a chore start to finish. I, with some bad movies that are so bad, they are painfully bad. I am thankful that it's over. I've endured it somehow. Whether or not my sanity is intact is debatable. But I've endured it. I've survived. When it came to the Total Recall reboot, and I watched it, from start to finish, I was simply bored out of my mind. And I simply didn't care. And when it was over, and my wife asked me what I had thought of it, you know, like the next day, at first, I was like, uh, trying to think of a scene... That was for me to, you know, be angry about or maybe give it some praise. And 
I honestly was like, I watched it. I will don't need to watch it ever again. That was it. That was the strongest criti- I was bored. I barely, I don't remember any of it. I don't remember it now. I had to look up stuff and look through it, and it was like, I just don't give a shit. I really don't. I just don't care. I'd rather be doing something else. Immediately went right back to that mindset of, I could be doing so many other things right now. I don't want to deal with that shit. Bit of a rant there. But this this is where the risk-averse Hollywood really tends to fail the general movie audience. Were there people who liked the PG-13 version of RoboCop and of Total Recall? I'm sure there were. I'm sure some people got something out of it. I know I sure as hell didn't. But there had to have been some. It's an inevitability. There, some people, one man's trash is another man's treasure, that sort of thing. You know, what I despise, someone might actually love. Who knows? It's subjective. The vast majority of people who watched it hated it, so it was a flop. RoboCop, reboot, flop. Total Recall, reboot, flop. The Ghostbusters 2016, reboot. It was a flop. Despite, and if you try to give me that whole it made its money, you don't understand how films are made. Because it's not the production cost that's the only cost that we need to take into account. It's the production and marketing costs. It barely made its production cost. It did not make its marketing costs. By a long way. So that's, there's that. There is another reason why they've decided to go with the PG-13 angle, and that's because of a new, a fairly new, emerged market. And that is, of course, China. China is a very large and fairly new, for the film industry, market to market their films. Unfortunately, there are a number of hurdles when it comes to getting your film made here in the U.S. or in Europe and transplanted over into China. There, there are a number of rules and restrictions that the Chinese government has put in place. You cannot have these things in your film. We do not allow it. So... I'm not really sure why anyone bothers putting a a film out in China with these kinds of restrictions. Like Ghostbusters. I'm not sure what the fuck they were thinking. What were they smoking? Honestly, it's a film about four people going around busting ghosts. Yeah, it can be funny and it can be a little scary here and there, but it's it's an interesting idea. Why did they think they were going to get any kind of market share in China? One, their marketing here in the U.S. was heavily aimed at trying to tug on the strings of nostalgia before shitting on him. But the thing is, is that in China, they have bans. They do not allow things such as 
skeletons or spirits being being you know uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for uh, being shown on screen they don't allow that they refuse to allow any kind of media that has these things on screen how the hell did they think Ghostbusters was going to work? That's the whole premise of the damn thing, is that four people are running around busting the spirits of dead people. Something that China refuses to allow on screen. I'm not really sure what the hell they were thinking when they went with that idea. Oh no, the Chinese market will save us. The American market sure as hell didn't. The European market let down, let us down flat. I'm sure the Chinese market will be a... Really? And how are you going to portray the ghosts and dead people on screen in China as what? Fucking balloons? You know, now that I think about it, that's the possessed Stave Puff Marshmallow Man parade float. Now that makes fucking sense. It was with an eye towards the Chinese market. Oh, man, I hope that's just a wild coincidence. Oh, whew. But that seems to be a major, a major driving factor with a lot of Hollywood studios. They're always looking at the Chinese market. And because the Chinese market is so restrictive because of its government on what it allows on screen, what it allows to be shown to its citizens, they have to cater to it if they want it in a Chinese theater. What happens if you have a film, you're remaking it? It has nostalgic qualities for an American audience or a European audience. How the hell are you supposed to market it to a Chinese audience who have, until not so long ago, not been allowed to see anything in the theaters that wasn't government propaganda? You tell me. I have no fucking clue as what the dynamic is, what the mindset is. I'm sure it's just a bunch of suits in an office somewhere quietly thinking, well, you know, China has, you know, uh, hundreds of millions of people that can go to a theater all by, our, all by itself. That one market could absolutely make up for all of the expenditures of a film. And that's all they see. All they see is the fucking bottom line. They never see the kind of implications that it would, the kind of hoops that you are having to jump through in order to make sure that the damn movie can actually be seen in a Chinese theater. Honestly, if you follow that particular line of reasoning, the way a lot of these studios have been doing over the last few years, it's just shooting yourself in the foot. Especially if you're trying to do a remake of a popular franchise from back in the 80s. How the hell are you supposed to make it work in China when they never had any experience, exposure to this thing that you're presenting them. They have no, they never had any interest. There's no nostalgia there because this to them is brand new. And what happens if you're having to have on screen things that the Chinese government doesn't want you to have on screen? Well, guess what? Your film isn't in China. I just 
don't understand it. There, there are times when I can, I can see it from a business perspective. You know, they're risk averse. They're piss scared of stepping a toe out of line because they could lose tons and tons of money. The investors will get really pissed at them, so on and so forth. I can, I can at least see that. It's stupid, personally, but I can see that. I really can. But the idea that you can be so blind to the circumstances of getting films shown in China and being so stupid and thinking that it won't affect you, or at least affect the film that you're greenlighting, I find stupefying. It's simply beyond comprehension just how asinine that line of thinking is it's as though you're you really are just taking an accountant and all they're looking at is the nickels and dimes of what they make and what they'll lose and they just see huge numbers at the Chinese market without ever taking into consideration all of the hoops you need as a filmmaker to jump through in order to get the goddamn thing distributed there. Uh, when it comes down to PG-13, it's a combination of we need more asses in seats and China is an enormous market, so that's why. It, it really just does boil down to the bottom line. How big can we get that bottom line? Our movies won't get us as much, and it will be heavily, heavily restricted, if even allowed, anywhere near Chinese markets. Or we can take it with a PG-13 and heavily edit the damn thing so that it can be allowed to be in a Chinese market and it get as many butts and seats as possible then we have a potential windfall on our hands. I don't recall off the top of my head how often that's actually worked. More often than not, most Chinese audiences just don't care, and you've alienated your Western audiences to boot. You've gone and rebooted favorite franchises that the Chinese have no interest in because they've, this is all brand new to them. It's heavily restricted, even though it's PG-13, because of various, the various hoops that they were unable to jump through. You get probably maybe limited releases, but that's about it. So you have no real gains from the Chinese market. You've gone and pissed off your Western market to the point where almost none of them are willing to go see it. So it becomes a huge, huge financial flop. Congratulations, guys. You've done it. Uh, that really is the, the main reason why so many studios are far more willing to produce and put out PG-13 films than they are R films. Even though you had an incredible film like Deadpool, very funny, very, very entertaining, it's an R, and it made a lot of money back off its budget. It is a certified success. I dare say it's blockbuster in its numbers. 
And yet, <laughs> Hollywood is not willing to look at that and go, huh, you know, if we, if we have an R movie, but if we make it a really good film, a really compelling story, a really great characters, the money will appear. Funny how that works. But no, it's they're going to go back to the tried and true formula. You mark my word. I mean, hell, we're seeing it now. Honestly, do I see that changing? Eh, probably not, because more often than not, it'll work out for them. But on the other hand, if we get more blockbuster-sized films and with bud- blockbuster-sized budgets, both production and marketing cost, and they just end up falling flat on their face, then we might see some shifting, some changing, some reorganizations. We'll have to wait and see when it comes to something like that. We're kind of seeing a shift a bit when it comes to the uh, cinematic universe of Disney. Here they were. They started out with a trilogy. First, The first three films in a trilogy for Star Wars. They had Rogue One, which was... It, did, it was an okay film, and it did okay. Not a big moneymaker. Then they had their trilogy. And their trilogy films... Each did okay. They did pretty well as films. Poorly as Star Wars films. Not as well as they would have hoped. They didn't break even. They got more than break even. But they didn't make nearly as much as Disney was hoping. And it caused far more divisiveness. It's really divided up the fan base of Star the Star Wars fan base to such a degree that honestly, there's no one is willing to go out on a limb for them and then you get the next spin-off film solo which it tanked i don't care what anyone says it tanked it flopped and it flopped hard is it because it was a terrible film no it's a mediocre film at best it was because at this point no one was interested in what disney was selling they've burned so many bridges they started to gain some back with the mandalorian show and a little bit with uh, the restarting of the Star Wars Clone Wars series. And it looked as though they were starting to figure out, okay, so we fractured the fan base badly. We need to build up some goodwill. They had a, they have a film that they've greenlit, but they haven't given us much except uh, the writer from uh, 1917 and... Uh, the director, whose name I cannot pronounce, but he's a good director. I mean, it's a good combination. I'm tempering my hopes on that one. And almost immediately, a sneak attack by Kathleen Kennedy sneaking out there that it was going to be a female-centric Star Wars show for Disney+. And that's a whole thing, but... You can you can already see, kind of the shift, the uh, the shift in the balance of power right now over at Disney, the days of us going out and having ideologically heavy films. That are. Terrible. 
are no longer going to be as tolerated as they were. And uh, we'll have to wait and see on that one. But as far as the question of the films being PG-13, those are your answers. One, more butts and seats makes more money. Two, China, a large emerging market, has so many restrictions that it's far easier to get a, to sneak a PG-13 film there than it is an R film. So you have all of that. That's why most of your films are not R-rated. They are PG-13. Because money. Because money and because of hoops from China. So, on that particularly interesting and semi-depressing note, I think I've answered that particular question of why are films all PG-13 now? Piss scared of losing money and not being able to get into China. Bottom line. Well, I think I've talked long enough. So... I hope to hear from you guys next time, so stay safe out there. Catch you later.